This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Welcome to the pit of despair that is being an Everton fan. On top of that, the pit of despair that me and Alex exist in, having to record immediately following a catastrophic collapse at the hands of Newcastle. 3-2, up 2-0 at halftime. Could not have gone more the opposite direction in the second half. A complete capitulation. A just continue, just another really, really bad collapse. Loss of confidence. Not sure totally what happened. Alex, your initial thoughts? To be honest, over the last couple hours, my body just didn't know how to react. If that even makes sense. Like I, I was cheering, then I was pissed off, then I was cheering, and then I was pissed off, and then pissed off some more, and and now I'm just kind of confused because I was just very irrationally high spirited over the last week, taking four points from the last two fixtures, seeing, hearing the atmosphere at Goodison Park, listening to Marco Silva's press conferences and how he was he was talking about the team, how he was talking about the club. And then, you know, I'm texting friends and, and talking about how confident the squad looks during the match. And then this is what we're left with. Well, by all accounts, it was an outstanding first half for most of the players on the pitch. Richarlison coming in on the right-hand side for Theo Walcott. Music to Evertonian's ears. We finally got him out of the side for most of that game, at least. And then Andre Gomez returning for Morgan Schneiderlin. On paper, that's, I think, our best team that we could have possibly put out and essentially the team that we predicted in our match preview. And we looked far, far superior to Newcastle in the first half. Played really clever attacking football. Luca Dean and Bernard linked up quite beautifully on the left-hand side for large stretches of the game. Bernard finally starting to look more confident. Played that really, really nice reverse pass out to Dean to play it through uh, for, for Dean to make the cross for Calvert-Lewin's opener, which was a very well-taken header. And then the second goal, Richarlison, right place, right time. And we were flying. We Newcastle looked incredibly frustrated with Lee Mason's decision to keep his cards in his pocket and let a lot of fouls go. What did you think about the first half in particular, Alex, before it all came crashing down? I mean, the first half was was overall positive, okay? It was... You could tell that Marco Silva had the right idea in terms of how we set up. And again, we've been talking about this a lot recently. I've been tweeting about it. If you pay really close attention, if you're familiar with tactics and, and, and knowing where to look at what time, you can see all the different tweaks he made or makes. And it looked like we set up well. We talked about this. We thought that the flanks were going to be very crowded because we like to build up on, on the outside of the pitch, just like Newcastle kind of focus. And, you know, Almiron was, was a nuisance, but the center backs looked to be taking care of Rondon, pretty much. The center of the pitch with Ghana and Gomez specifically looked pretty good. Specifically Gomez, he looked really good. And then our attackers looked confident. But, you know, it, it, it comes down to watching Jordan Pickford WWE-style tackle Rondon in the box, which should definitely have been a card. Some could argue it could be a red card because, you know, possible... Denial of clear goal scoring opportunity, although I guess the ball was not there. 
and then he saves it. And then within 60 seconds, we score again. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, he gave up the penalty in an absolutely astonishing way, but he saves it. So if we win this match, most fans are just going to let it go. But it turns out that Pickford was the culprit by the end. Yeah, we continue to see multiple questionable decisions coming out of goal. There are a few where, you know, the ball is right around the edge of the box and he's trying to make these ridiculous runs out to claim it. And I respect that he wants to be aggressive. And also, you know, the context of him coming from Sunderland, rivals of Newcastle, he hates Newcastle and the fans were booing him at every opportunity. I think he just kind of lost his head. And although I don't think he's really at fault for, you know, he gets credit for stopping the penalty and he couldn't really be faulted for their second goal because it took a really bad deflection, but it's hard to point the finger at any one particular player for what happened in the second half, because I think it's just a collective lack of confidence and an inability. You know, the game management is, is very obvious. The lack of ability to manage the game. You can see the goal. You're up still up to one and you can't, we just don't have that confidence or the ability to just settle down, relax, and get back to what made us so successful in the first half. We just continue on a downward spiral until they're putting away their third goal and the crowd's going absolutely crazy. We kept the crowd out of it for most of the game. They were getting frustrated with the referee, but we were doing a really good job of keeping possession, not giving them much of a sniff. Miguel Almiron, you said he had a he was a nuisance. I thought he was very, very good. His runs to the outside looked very pacey, had three or four really, really good crosses that they weren't able to get on the end of. And it's just another really disappointing result in what is quickly or slowly turning into a very disappointing season. You know what? I almost actually disagree with the game management thing. I'm going to lay it on you real quick, James. Here's what it is. I'm usually a huge proponent of Marco Silva, okay? And I think that he set up the team the correct way at kickoff. Here's the thing though. He screwed this up for the team. And here's why I say that. All right, you concede a goal. It's 2-1 and Newcastle definitely had a stronger performance at that point in the second half from from halftime to that point. But he made the decision to bring on Yeri Mina, who has essentially gotten no minutes in a good while, probably about a month and a half, right? Maybe two months. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to a five back line, okay? On the surface, you say, yep, that makes sense. Defend, we'll throw on another defender, make sure we kind of nullify the aerial threat of Rondon. It'll work out. Well, guess what, James? It disorganized the defense. And it also invited pressure because we now don't have a player upfield that can help retain the ball. Right, and what it also does is when you're playing, when you switch to the three at the back, it forces the wingbacks to push up higher. And of course, we know that Newcastle loves to play on the wings and they were looking to shut those areas out. When we were successful in the first half, a lot of our play was being facilitated through the middle, whether it was Gomez, even Ghana had some really nice um, movement of the ball and Sigurdsson as well. And we kind of just went away from that and looked to go wide and look for an outlet. And there was never really any fluidity. There wasn't any coherent plan as soon as we switched the tactical setup. And I agree that Marco Silva does have to shoulder a great deal of the blame, but the players, there's no reason you should ever lose 2-0 up at half. If we had come out 
and he Marco Silva just said this in his post game press conference. If we had done what we should, what we had done in the first half at the start of the second half, we would have put the game away, been up three nil, and it's done and dusted. Our inability to have that ruthlessness about the team, the clinical ability to to go and get that third goal and put the game out of reach. You let Newcastle get one, and then they grow in confidence. And really, credit to them, they do deserve, I think, some credit for fighting back, but. The defending was just shambolic. And the third goal looked to be clearly offside. But at that point, you can't really blame the referee because overall, I thought that he let a lot go, which I'm okay with in most situations. And yeah, that's it's just disappointing. Well, let me ask you this. You're sitting there. You're up 2-1. Okay, you just conceded a goal. Your manager brings on brings on a third defender who hasn't gotten minutes in almost two months, brings off an attacker. What does that tell you as a player who's on the pitch for Everton right then? What does that say to you about the belief from the manager in being able to manage it on your own, in being able to hold the lead or him having confidence in you that you're going to go forward and find a result? I mean, it's almost a panic move, right? It just, it kind of reeks of, all right, we need to shut down shop here and be defensively resolute. And yeah, it just, it's not an offensive substitution, which in a game like that, it's bizarre because Marco Silva tends to, from what we've seen from him so far, be relentlessly offensive with his substitutions. It's rare that he would make a defensive sub. So to see that when you're already leading and you kind of need to regain a foothold in the game, yeah, I think the manager has to shoulder a, most of the blame, but the players, no one's no one's blameless in this. It was a complete team performance in the first half that will be entirely overshadowed by the utter collapse in the second. Right. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the players don't shoulder blame because they do. But I do think that it really it really lands on the majority of it lands on the fact that they felt disorganized after bringing on a fifth defender and you know that that kind of shot their confidence. But let's talk about some positive James. Up front, I really really thought Calvert-Lewin had a had a great match. Usually we see his first touch isn't too great. Maybe he gets bullied a little bit. But let me tell you, his first touch was fantastic this match. He had some pretty good link-up play. I really liked his attempt at, at a through ball over the top of the defense to Richarlison that was a little too far. And so that shows that maybe he's starting to work on his creativity or his, his chance creation as well. I agree. I thought Calvert-Lewin played very, very well um, for the most part. His impact waned as the game went on. His weakness with... Being a holdup player is something that's been well documented, but it became more and more glaring as we needed to take that control of the match. He did have the header was brilliantly taken, and then he almost had that shot that just went slightly wide that would have put the game away as well. Looks to be growing in confidence. That's now what six Premier League goals, eight in all competitions. So he's having a breakthrough season, so to speak. And I think he still has a long way to go, only 21 years old. One for the future, one for the present, really, because I don't think that we have a better striker in our team at the moment. And I think other positives include just the left-hand partnership between Bernard and Luca Dean. They look to have a very, very strong understanding with each other, both very creative and able to have the read of what the other player was thinking about doing, and then the execution to also pick them out perfectly. So I was really pleased with that partnership 
especially in the first half, but even at times in the second half. Furthermore, I thought that Gomez had a good match today in terms of orchestrating play. I remember specifically a ball in which it just kind of looked like he hacked at it, but it fell perfectly diagonally upfield for Richarlison. Overall, he looks assured. I think he still kind of looks a little sluggish, but in my opinion, he's a must-have acquisition in the summer for sure. You know, he hasn't been perfect, that's for sure, but he also didn't play very much prior to coming to Everton, and then and then he had to recover from an injury, and then he just he played nonstop since he came to the side, and he was very fatigued. So I think that, you know, you're starting to see, for example, Bernard really come into his own in the league. He's getting used to the physicality, the pace of the league itself. And so once Bernard starts adding a couple goals to his game as well, I think both of them will look very positive for us next season if if that's the case. Yeah, I was really impressed with Andre Gomez's and I get something that he showed in abundance early on and showed in this game, his ability to use his body, shield the ball and wiggle out of tight spaces is second to none in our team. He will just body somebody up and then just slip away. I think some of his runs from midfield were lacking. He didn't quite have the pace, but the the run he made into the box and that little pop-up touch that led to the second goal was outstanding. I agree. One that needs to be a priority signing for us in the summer. And Bernard continues to settle in and become more comfortable. Still hasn't figured out how to not slip 18 times a game. Uh, So hopefully that's something that we're considering working on. But it just continues to amaze me how it doesn't seem to happen to anybody else but him. And maybe it's like his weight. He just can't put enough force down into the ground to like get a good foothold. I don't know. I'm kind of harping on it, but it just seems so weird to me. His touches, his technical ability on the wing, really good. And and all three, Dean, Bernard, and Andre Gomez played very, very well for large stretches of the game. Now you might laugh at me, James, and this this is going to sound like a contradiction, but another positive I take from this match is that Yuri Mina got on the pitch. <laughs> and while I don't agree with it, it's good because, you know, we were saying this a couple months months ago before he got hurt and, you know, had this extended stay from the squad. But although Zuma has been very good and I'd love to snap up Zuma this season, it's it's more important that we get Mina on the pitch to partner with Keane and get ready for next season. You know, specifically because it came out, I believe, yesterday or day before that Chelsea did not get their appeal pushed through to say that their transfer ban would be delayed. So at that rate, it probably looks like a pretty slim chance that we're going to get Kurt Zuma. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's still very much up in the air is the transfer status of Kurt Zuma. I don't really think Chelsea see a long-term future with him, but your point on Yuri Mina is well taken. I agree. We do need to start incorporating him into the side. I didn't think he looked confident or comfortable in any way today. And in many ways, he always looks ripe for some kind of catastrophic mistake. And I think a lot of that comes from having not played in a while. And once he settled in, a lot of that will go away. But I have some concerns or some alarms that are going off in my head where I question whether he is the type of player that we really need in our team. Just because he is so, so unproven, having played in Brazil and then going to Barcelona and not really being able to get into the team there. I'm wondering if it's just a case of a player whose stock just rose really quickly 
and is now kind of coming back to earth. Still pretty young, and I'm not saying that I don't think he has a future at Everton, but I don't think he's going to exactly come in and set the world alight like many people hope he might. After struggling with injuries for this season, I think you're spot on when you say it's it's time to kind of reset and start looking for the future next year. So we have Chelsea at home next. I think it's about time that we break out our Everton Ross Barkley kits. What do you think, James? I might break it out and light it on fire, if anything. <laughs> It'll be, the, I mean, the crowd will be up for, well, I don't know. The atmosphere is going to be very interesting after such a strong showing in the Derby. And now after that disastrous performance against Newcastle, we the, the crowd just needs to get back behind the team because if it comes out and the, and the atmosphere is stagnant, Chelsea are going through their own issues right now, but still probably higher quality than us all over the pitch in most positions, save for the snake Ross Barkley. And so it'll be a test, but if we can get the atmosphere going, there's no reason why we can't put in another strong performance and take points out of the game. Well, thank you so much for torturing yourselves by listening to James and I talk about the Toffees on this very gloomy Saturday. Look out for our Chelsea pre-match episode on Tuesday. We're going to have Forrest back on with us from Carolina Toffees. Have a great rest of your weekend, if that's possible. I want to die. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.